18 new cases of COVID were reported Sunday, of which 15 were locally transmitted and three imported. There were also four COVID-related deaths. Although the outbreak seems to have tapered off, Health Minister Chen Shizhong reiterated that things could still take a turn for the worse. That said, the government would declare an early lifting of restrictions if the situation appears stable. Still, there are a handful of cases appearing here and there in Taipei and New Taipei. Minister Chen said due to the complex nature of living conditions in the two municipalities, community infections remain a possibility and that it would be a challenge to get to zero infections in the greater Taipei area. Of course, we would be happy to get to zero. The entire nation would be happy, but that should not be the goal. The goal should be to contain the outbreak. We've also established relevant directives, an important point of which is that all authorities, all administrations and government workers should start to gain a better understanding of COVID containment measures and act in a timely manner in case of emergency. Whether case numbers drop to a certain extent, everyone is able to act swiftly and hospital capacity sufficient. These are all factors we take into consideration for lifting restrictions. The Central Epidemic Command Center also announced the latest recipients eligible to get the second dose of the Moderna vaccine. Apart from the top priority group, which includes airline crew and pregnant women, those in the second and third groups can now get their second shot if they had received their first between July, June 9th and July 9th. With daily case numbers starting to come down to single digits lately, many are wondering when restrictions will be lifted. While reopening is looking more and more likely, there are still confirmed cases that can't be identified, not to mention the recent cluster infections from Taipei's Huanan Market and Taipei Main Station's underground mall. Doctors believe there are still infections with unknown sources and that appropriate measures are needed in order to identify these invisible chains. Local daily case numbers have finally gone back to single digits since Level 3 alert was declared almost two months ago, making reopening an ever-tangible reality. Still, in the past two days, Taipei and New Taipei both reported new cases that aren't connected to any quarantiners. On top of that, cluster outbreaks have recently occurred at Huanan Market and Taipei Main Station Underground Mall, and this has led doctors to believe that invisible chains of infections still exist. As long as there are still many infections resulting from unknown origins, we cannot loosen COVID containment measures. However, if we say a week or two from now can clearly trace all new cases, then we can feel more at ease. Why are invisible transmissions still rising given the current scale of screening around the clusters and rising inoculation rates? This remains to be investigated. How then can these unknown infection sources be traced while the authorities attempt to flatten the curve of the death toll? For that, Dr. Huang Liming, director of National Taiwan University Children's Hospital, suggested mass serology tests. For example, by conducting blood tests on 2,000 to 3,000 people in infection hotspots to uncover new cases. Meanwhile, NTU public health professor Zhang Changquan identified three criteria for reopening. 
First, new case numbers should remain in single digits for two to three weeks with a given scale of screening. Second, public and corporate buildings must be well ventilated. And third, vaccination rate for the adult population should reach at least 50% to reopen safely. Actually, some water treatment plants have already been carrying out nucleic acid amplification tests, which allow us to know where there might be community infections. Additionally, for COVID cases with unknown sources, we have also called for hospitals to ramp up testing to detect any latent viruses early on. To successfully contain the outbreak, several measures must be undertaken at once. However, even when all seems to go well in the nation, the Delta variant, which is still very much a threat elsewhere, adds another layer of challenge. For that, doctors believe that tighter border controls are the solution and the government will have more time to get the nation vaccinated. The country's epidemic prevention progress will remain volatile until 60% of the total population receives two doses of vaccine. Beginning last Tuesday, adults 18 and older could register to be vaccinated on the government's reservation platform. The deadline was set for last Thursday, with just two days open for the public to register. However, to speed up the nation's inoculation efforts, the Central Epidemic Command Center has now extended the deadline to noon on Monday. And some who've already registered are now crying foul. They say with an influx of registrants and people deciding to switch from Moderna to AstraZeneca, they'll end up without a vaccine. In response, Health Minister Chen Shizhong says the vaccination process is not on a first-come, first-served basis, but that it is the government policy to vaccinate the elderly first before young people. To increase the nation's vaccination coverage, the CECC has pushed the vaccination registration deadline back to Monday noon, allowing more people to complete online registration. However, many netizens have expressed their discontent, saying that the extra time will bring in an influx of people who may have a higher priority and that they'll end up not being able to get a jab. CECC Commander Chen Shizhong came out Sunday to clarify. Of course, there will be some who've applied early before others that might feel unhappy. But our basic policy is elderly before youth, and not one that is first come first served. So this is a situation that's put us in a bind. As of Saturday evening, more than 8.4 million people have registered online. Nearly half of the registrants preferred only the Moderna vaccine vaccine, a stark contrast to the 3.64% who specified AZ only. As many as 47% picked either or. Worthy of note is that more than 1 million people have now changed their preference to AZ, an increase of 730,000 compared to the figure of July 13th, after the government announced that there wouldn't be enough Moderna vaccines to go around. The elderly before youth policy means young people will have to wait a bit longer for their turns. After hearing Chen's explanation, many young people have accepted it with a rational mind. Older people have a higher risk for infection and a higher mortality rate, so they are vaccinated to prevent severe illness and death. It's reasonable. 
I'm now taking my summer vacation and I have no plans to go out, so I think it's fine to vaccinate the elderly first. A quick survey on the street has revealed that young people aren't too worried about the availability of vaccine doses. They simply hope the entire citizenry can get vaccinated so that herd immunity can be attained and that life can return to normal. Minister Without Portfolio Audrey Tang was scheduled to travel to Tokyo tomorrow for the upcoming opening of the Olympics. But on Sunday, she came out to announce that she has decided not to go because she wanted to abide by the Tokyo Olympics epidemic prevention policy. Let's hear what she had to say. To be in line with the Tokyo Olympics epidemic prevention policy, after discussing with the president and the premier, I have decided to cancel the trip to Japan. Although the itinerary has changed, for me, three things have not changed. First, my support for the athletes has not changed. Second, my good wishes for the Olympics have not changed. And third, my gratitude to Japan has not changed. In the past year or so, under the threat of the pandemic, the experience of resolving difficulties and contributing with countries around the globe reminds us once again the importance of cooperation. If I have the opportunity in the future, I still hope to go to Japan and do my best to promote exchanges. Due to the pandemic, Japan has set strict rules to control who can and cannot attend the game's opening and closing ceremonies. Some speculate that since Minister Tang was given a National Olympic Committee ID, she is considered a regular guest, not a VIP. A VIP ID is only granted to heads of education policy, such as Education Minister Pan Wenzhong or heads of educational or athletic supervision, like Ministers Without Portfolio Lin Wanyi and Zhang Jingsen. And speaking of the Olympics, this year, mixed doubles table tennis will feature in the Games for the first time. And Taiwan has a strong medal hope in Lin Yingru and Zheng Yijing. The pair is ranked world number one despite having a 10-year age gap between them. They reveal that when they're not playing table tennis, they play cards to strengthen their rapport. Lin, 19, and Jen, 29, have a whole decade between them. But the results show table tennis knows no age gap. They began their alliance in 2019, and this March were ranked world number one for mixed doubles. Tokyo is the first Olympics to feature mixed doubles for table tennis. Lin and Jun are seated number three and are a major medal hope. Our goal right now is to get a medal. This time round, I guess I've become the senior and I have to leave the junior to follow my pace. Jen already has plenty of major tournament experience. Tokyo will be her second Olympics. Lin, on the other hand, is a breakout star in the world of table tennis. His nickname, The Silent Killer. I think being reticent is a virtue because that means he can always keep calm on the court. 
Lynn's gentle and reserved demeanor is obvious in interviews, but at the table, the killer comes out. The pair has been playing simulated Olympic games to warm up for Tokyo, and they've been sitting down to play cards, too. When we're on break, sometimes we can feel a little down. Then we play fight the landlord. I and Unru and the coach will get together to play. It takes some strategy to win, so I think that has also helped us bond and understand each other better. Both the players will also compete individually in Tokyo. Taiwan has high hopes for table tennis this summer. Back in 2005, a Canadian became a global sensation after bartering a paperclip all the way to a two-story farmhouse via 14 trades with strangers. His story inspired many people to barter their own belongings with others online. Here in Taiwan, there's a small but close-knit community of people who swap everything from solar panels and lunch bags to furniture and pastries. And in the process of making trades, these barterers often end up forming beautiful and enduring friendships. Tonight, in our Sunday special report, we peek inside Taiwan's bartering subculture. It's a cold, wintry day in Ilan as strong northeasterly winds blow in a chilly rain. Here, husband and wife Wang Hanping and Hong Li Mei are up at 8 in the morning to feed their chickens. Wang built the coop himself and single-handedly raised dozens of chickens living inside. Besides the chicken coop, Wang also built a greenhouse. Inside, there's an abundance of veggies as well as a fish tank. Wang and Hong used to live in Taipei, but eight years ago, they decided to leave the city to settle in the countryside in Eli's Zhangwei Township. Their goal was to lead a self-sufficient lifestyle. The roof of the greenhouse is topped with several solar panels, which Wang set up himself. This roof has about 10 solar panels, and that other roof is all covered in panels. In total, we have a 6-kilowatt solar power system. Thanks to the solar panels on the roof, turning on the aircon on a hot summer's day is completely free. But the savings go beyond that. Wang, who takes thrift and sustainability to the extreme, did not purchase the solar panels with cash. He got them in exchange for rice. He was asking around to see if anyone needed the solar panels. I said, all right, how much? He said he didn't want money. He asked if I had anything he might need. I said, I've got some rice, do you want any? I traded four bags of rice for them. The solar panels are just the tip of the bartering iceberg. In this household, Wang may be the handyman supreme, but his wife Hong is the real expert in trades. She makes handmade bags as a hobby and uses them in her trades. This vacuum cleaner I swapped for one of my bags, the TV too, and the iron I also traded for a bag. Everything in the kitchen, from the dining table set to the cookware and baking equipment, was all bartered for. I made a handbag and I exchanged it for this food processor. Hong is employed as an engineer for a foreign company in Taiwan, and Wang specializes in hydroelectric engineering. They both have a stable income, but they embarked on a life of bartering to save a bit of cash. I'm a very 
I used to burn through my monthly salary. I'd spend all the money I earned. I didn't look at the price tag. For example, I'd see a bag for 3,000 NT, and if I had 5,000 NT on me, the bag would be mine. All the shopping sprees ended up leaving her home packed with stuff. <laughs> Things piled up to the point you couldn't even move around. I had all this stuff lying around that wasn't going to turn into gold. It was just stuff. To you, it would have been just rubbish. Wang, as the thrifty one in the relationship, ended up convincing Hong to clean out the clutter accumulating in the house. Coincidentally, it was around that time that Hong discovered a Facebook group where people posted unwanted objects to trade with people who might need them. The first time I participated in the group, the first thing I gave away was a pair of shoes I bought but couldn't wear. I swapped them for a purse. It's then that I started thinking more about what things you actually need. People like Hong use the Facebook group to find a loving home for their items, forming a special bartering community where objects are given a new value. She was moving house, so she wanted to get rid of the cabinet. The cabinet and the dining table sat over there. We got those by trading a lunch bag like this one and two small cuddly bags. Hi. Chen Yiwen fell in love with the lunch bag Hong had made her in exchange for her belongings. Although swapping furniture for a fabric bag does not sound like a great deal, Chen says it was well worth it. The exchange process makes you slow down your pace because it's not like a regular commercial exchange where you buy something and get it immediately. You have to spend some time asking who has this or that thing. When someone has it, you need to find out what they need so you can trade with them. So you have to spend time communicating. It's then that you start reflecting on whether you really need the thing that you're looking for. Bartering requires a lot of back and forth. Many in the community joined to look for an item and ended up finding a friend. For example, Liao Changmei and Chen Yuzhen first met through one of these exchanges. They both had a passion for baking and ended up becoming close friends. I got a singing bowl from her, which I thought was quite special. Had I not met her, I would have never known what a singing bowl is. There are no restrictions, so there are people from all walks of life, from all sorts of fields. It takes a lot of thought. What's come out of this is so many beautiful moments and strokes of serendipity. Liao said that botching with strangers expanded her horizons. She said it also changed her life. Liao was once a reclusive homemaker. Married at 21 and very introverted, she had a very small social circle. I didn't really have opportunities to talk with strangers. I would avoid it if I could. I didn't want to strike up a conversation with anyone. After turning 39, she chanced upon a close steamer on the Item Exchange Facebook group. That marked the beginning of her opening up to outsiders. To obtain the steamer, Liao had to meet a stranger in person to hand them the recipe they had requested in exchange. Before that, I had never taken the MRT. I was really nervous because I had to find my way there and I was afraid of alighting at the wrong stop. I also didn't know how to buy a ticket. It felt like a small adventure for a reclusive housewife like me. It's as if I had suddenly extended an antenna out from my house. 
As she traded more objects, Liao started feeling braver and more confident. She started holding baking classes in the Facebook group and trading with her desserts. She then took it a step further, trying to barter items in real life. I went to the market, and while I was walking around, I gathered up courage and asked the shopkeeper whether I could swap a cake for this chopping board. Back then I thought that if I could trade items online, maybe I'd be able to do it in real life too. I thought I might as well ask, and who knows, maybe she'd agree. And in the end, I got it. Having been a homemaker for so long, I felt like I had no worth. For a stranger to be willing to trade something they bought with money for something I made myself was very satisfying. It was a direct validation of my skills. There was a period of her life when Liao rarely ventured out of doors. Now, thanks to her dessert-making skills, she's become a baking instructor. As an administrator of the Facebook item exchange group, she hopes to spread the spirit of bartering to more people. The group's founder said that the group was about creating more relationships, not more objects. For example, if you're clearing out some space at home, you can trade the things away and meet friends or other kindred spirits who share your hobbies. Exchanging items with strangers can be a transformative experience. For some, it's a way to better understanding oneself while forming lasting friendships. Weather disturbance Fabian has intensified into a tropical storm, the sixth of this year. According to the Central Weather Bureau, the intensifying storm east of the Philippines is moving on a path toward northern Taiwan. A sea warning may be issued on Wednesday at the earliest and a land warning on Thursday with the possibility of the storm making landfall. Let's hear from a meteorologist. Friday is when it will be closest to Taiwan. As this storm moves, we should keep an eye on the intensity of the Pacific High Pressure System in the north. If it intensifies, the storm may move a bit to the south during the period from Wednesday to Friday. If Fabian corrects its course by turning south, the center of the storm will likely make landfall in northern Taiwan. As it approaches, the CWB is reminding the public to make necessary preparations. Since the southwesterly seasonal winds are also passing by the island, heavy rainfall is also expected in the coming days.